This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I have another one of our uh, HITS instructors uh, with me today. I have Eric Stambro, who a lot of you know from Working Dog Radio, is one of the hosts of Working Dog Radio. And uh, both Eric and Ted are teaching at HITS this year in Scottsdale. But I got Eric on today because he's doing one of the classes he's going to do by himself, and it's removing the conflict from your training. And that's a subject that uh, I'm, I've never done a class specifically on it, but if you've ever done any training with me or been in my classes, I talk a great deal about that and the conflict that we invertly put in our dogs and sometimes for poor training or just some of it I think comes naturally that we need, just need to be aware of. So I think it sounds like a great class and I know we want to bring Eric on here to, to kind of talk about it a little bit. So with that, uh, how are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing good, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I know you're busy and you got a lot of different things going on, a lot of irons in the fire since uh, you retired. Mm-hmm. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time to do it. Um, for no problem. For the people who are listening to this podcast, I think most of them probably know who you are, but maybe uh, just give a little quick background about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I'm uh, Eric Stambro. I'm from Canton, Ohio. Um, I was uh, been a police officer since 1992, I think. I'm trying to remember when I went through the academy. 92, I think. Um, worked some small departments, then I worked for the Canton, Ohio Police Department. Did 23 years there. Retired in November 2018. I I work at a small little department around here named Alliance uh, part time, and uh, I have a, a police dog training business named Van S Canine Academy, and then I do a pet dogs under the name of Ridside Canine Ohio, and, uh, and then of course the Working Dog Radio podcast. Yeah, so you're you're kind of all over the place, and you you've mm-hmm. got a lot of dogs uh, going going in front of you, you know, which is is an awesome way to, you know, I think that experience of touching dogs is is you know where what sets a lot of people apart. So, yeah, yeah. So your class, tell me about your class. So <clears throat> I uh, the, the right now I'm traveling around the country teaching a class. It's called E-Collar Without Conflict for Working Dogs. So for the HITS conference, I changed it to Removing Conflict. It's the exact same class without all the E-Collar demo and all the work with the dogs and everything. Um, but it's all essentially the same because my E-Collar Without Conflict class is 50% E-Collar and 50% uh, – uh, showing them all the things that they have done that have caused conflict with the dogs. So it's pretty good. It's, um, I find it to be pretty eye-opening for people when I'm doing the teaching. Guys are shaking their head like like I'm talking right yeah. at them. Yeah. You know, And they're like, yeah, I do that. And I'm like, I know you do because <laughs> lots of people do, me included. Sure. You know, I used to, that's how I, how I did it. And like, like you said, getting to touch a lot of dogs um, helps. You know, dogs teach me stuff all the time. I'm – I'm pretty good in e-collar. I'm getting amazing results with what I'm doing. And then I'm even doing something now differently than I was teaching two months ago because sure. some dogs taught me some things. And I always say the difference between the trainers and handlers is problem solving. Um, so basically the class, the, the byline of the class could be shut up and communicate with the dog. <laughs> um, we, we cause so much problems by talking to the dog too much. And uh, so in my class, I show, I talk to the, um, the handlers about things they're doing off duty that are causing problems with their dogs and on duty and in training that there's causing problems with the dogs. 
And uh, so we kind of get down a couple different rabbit holes, but um, the, the, and then I should kind of talk to him how to, uh, to how to fix it, you know? And, and of course the biggest thing is I put in the description of my class that I'll talk to you about your out problems or your sticky out as uh, Jerry Bradshaw likes to call it. Yeah. And uh, that always brings them in Jeff, as you know, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. the verbal out is a universal problem. Yeah. I, I agree, and that's that's that seems to be one of the things because I do I do a lot of e collar classes too, as you know. And when people mm -hmm. come to my class, I think they think they're just going to learn how to push the button on the e collar, but it's that <laughs> that doesn't that's not the class. The class is all about you know clearing the dog's head, building trust, you know, through the e collar, and you know getting rid of some of the conflict that 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 we have. And usually, you know, the the number one thing they want to work on is having a better verbal out or a recall or mm -hmm. both recall yeah yeah those seem to be the two the two sticking points and and if you you stick with the older methods from way back in the day that i learned uh every dog you ever train will have a problem out and a problem recall and let's, let's so go down like, that rabbit hole right there why is mm -hmm. that why in your opinion um <clears throat> so and, and maybe, a lot of maybe times, describe the training too because some guys maybe you know aren't yeah. familiar with it so the um the recall training for example we'll, we'll start with recall the recall training is uh, a lot of a lot of guys try to teach the off-leash behavior off-leash. And so if, you know, when I first got into canine in 05 is when I started as a dog handler, we had one e-collar in the in a drawer and it's yeah. like, go get the e-collar, yeah. you know. Yeah. I always say you had to put gas in it, you know, and prime yeah. it and pull start. The thing was, was old. And all we would do is if the dog wouldn't out or the dog wouldn't recall, we would, you know set them on yeah. fire with that yeah and yeah. um and it caused problems sure occasionally it worked but not very often and, not, and for uh, long. not for long right and so one of the big things that guys do that that i used to do for a long time when i took over as trainer is on that recall they do that rope a dope where they tie like a 50 foot line mm -hmm. off to a tree or or the handlers post it up and then they send the dog and rip his head off yeah. and the fact that i never broke a dog's neck or never hurt a dog or or I definitely shut dogs down. They definitely, you know, they won't go yeah. back out for the next yeah. rep. I, I did all that. And I was like, there's got to be, there's got to be yeah. a better way. And so same with thing with the out. I'll, I'll just talk about the recall. So what I started doing was I teach the dog with the e-collar how, how to turn pressure off using negative reinforcement. So applying pressure, getting them to turn to me and the pressure goes off. So I do tons of reps that way so that, um, when I'm teaching the recall, we get on pressure. The dog already knows to turn and come back. But one of the tricks that I learned to, and I feel stupid when I started doing it because it's so easy is I do all my recall training in the very beginning on a slick floor, like in a school yeah, hallway yeah. or something. And the dogs can't get up to speed. I get on a little bit of stem, uh, a little pop with the leash, just a little bit to get their head turning the right way. And they never get a hard correction. They come back, they get a reward for coming back. Usually that's oftentimes a decoy coming in and rewarding them where they want to be. Yeah. But so I take away all that head ripping. And every time I talk about this stuff at these seminars, guys are shaking their head. And I'm like, if, if you would video that you doing that and then post it yeah. and watch your career go down the toilet. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially now I, I said, well, it's gotta be better guys. We've got to do better. Absolutely. At that. Absolutely. So I just really teach the concept of pressure on and pressure off. And in the end, if you can't remember, if you're panicking and you're in, in your head and the dog's running after the guy towards the traffic, get on pressure at a minimum, just get on pressure. And it doesn't have to be crazy, you know? And, yeah. um, 
So then when we teach the out, I start with telling them, hey, when you walk up to your dog when he's on the decoy, does he spin away from you? And every guy, yeah, yeah, yeah and they're raising their, they're shaking their head. Yeah. And I'm like, that's conflict. That's yeah. a problem. Yes. And we we had uh, we had Carlos Ramirez on the podcast, and he he had a great line. He said it's called bite work, not outwork. We we don't let the dogs spend enough time on the biting. It's their highest expression of drive. It's the thing they want to do the most. And what are we? Thirty seconds, 20, yeah. 30 seconds. Get down there before he gets too gooned out. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get him off. Well. That uh, extra two, three minutes of biting and satiating that drive will clear up their head a lot, and then, um, then you start you can start working on the out without the head ripping, choke chain mm-hmm. smash, or or uh, I'm real big on prong collars, but I don't use the prong collars like I was originally taught, which is prong is the ultimate correction. You put yeah. that on them and smash them. I just prong is just pressure, yep. a little bit of pressure. Yeah. You manipulate the dog around, and then. I'm teaching something. So basically the the main focus of my class when it comes to the conflict part is we, a lot of us were taught simultaneous uh, heel correction at the same time, sit correction, down correction to where everything that comes out of our mouth is a correction instead of the behavior being the correction. I would like my verbiage to be a command and then the behavior get corrected, which ends up putting the onus for any corrections on the dog's shoulder his fault not my fault and that starts to clear up the spin away it starts to clear up the guys getting bit by their dogs it starts to clear up the dogs leaning away we, if you watch guys you walk behind them and they'll go heel and that dog will lean away from them sit and yeah. he leans away oh, yeah. yeah because they're used to getting corrected when they do that yep so that's kind of the whole crux of my thing is putting it making his fault not my fault taking my words out of the correction and making it more of the uh, command and then the behavior of not sitting, not downing, not recalling and not outing that caused a correction. Your fault, little dude, not my fault. Yeah. You caused that because it's just really playing off the dog's narcissism, you know, and that they don't want to correct themselves. Um, And then the other thing I'm doing with the collar is, um, and I do this with pet dogs and I started doing working dogs and it's been a flipping amazing is using either tone or vibrate, depending on the collar you have, preceded uh, or, or followed by stim as a negative marker uh-huh. using tone, just like, yeah. you know, the path, it's a classically conditioning. So when I'm teaching the out with the dog, I'll go low tone stim, low tone stim, they get a rebite, you know, low tone stim, and then they'll start racing the stim and outing on the tone. Then they'll start racing the tone and outing on the out on the lows, yeah, because it puts it on their shoulders. So then they stop outing and looking at the handler or trying to bite them or getting weird and, and fearful of the handler and the conflict that begins with that. And it's just um, it's been flipping amazing. And and when I teach it in the beginning with dogs, it's I don't teach it on out of anything. I let them loose in the facility. And basically, they're not allowed to touch anything in my facility except for maybe I put a dog cot in the middle. Yeah. And I just hit tone stem, tone stem, tone stem, make them believe the garbage can just got corrected. Yeah. The bite suit top that's laying on the ground did that to them or or their behavior did that to them. And I don't talk to them. They never even look back at me. You'll see them walk over from the garbage can. I'll hit beep and they'll yeah. turn and walk away. And 
where I found for law enforcement, when we're doing like a building search or a house, like a burglary search, I can tone them off of kitty litter, sure. uh, couch cushions, all that. And I don't have to talk to them. I don't have to give my, I don't have to yell. I'm not just bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. Because I tell guys, listen, if all you do is bitch at that dog where everything that comes out of your mouth is a correction, you make them nervous even being in the room. Uh -huh. And they'll manifest that nervous behavior either through biting you or or uh, shutting down or being weird, yeah. you know. Yeah, tearing up a couch cushion or something. Yeah, yeah, it? we've all had that. We've yeah. all seen that, you know. You do, you've done a million dogs, you know. Uh, we've, I've, my dog's in back when I didn't know what I was doing. F some couches up, buddy. I'm like, yeah. ooh, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but then the whole, the whole great thing about it is you don't have to talk to them. His fault, not my fault. Yeah. And it clears up so many mental problems with the dog. And then uh, if you're using a dog collar, the vibrate on there is super strong. It, it really works with, uh, I call it knocking the uh, the hamster off the hamster wheel on their head where it clears up like, well, they're hyper-focused on something maybe, yeah. another dog, a training. Or I hit vibrate and they're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, and the tone works really well. The only problem with tone is if the, depending on the dog, they could get auditory exclusion depending on yeah. what it is that's got their attention. So, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, that's a, a kind of a, a different approach than I, I use the collar. Not quite, mm -hmm. not really the same way, but the overall picture I can tell you is the same because a lot of, you know, with the same thing, you're, you're kind of looking at the entire picture when you're talking about conflict and then getting the proper correction or stimulation to the dog, mm -hmm. as opposed to, I think what happens with a lot of people is they get focused on say, uh, like we were talking about like release work and then they put all of their energy directed towards the dog, trying to get them to release without thinking of the whole, all the math involved in it. And then it mm -hmm. becomes such a, you know, I was, I was say, you know, most people could, could go home and tell their, their significant other like a one single name from the past and they're going to be sleeping on the couch and the fights on <laughs> that that turns into los or, or sometimes even the dog's name when they're on a bite if they hear mm -hmm. bosco then you see that dog they get verbal they're they'll start you can see their eyes start drifting towards the handler like where are you coming from because i'm moving the other way their bites get a little bit uh, more frantic because all that conflict from just that word so I think uh, I like you know what you're describing because it it takes some of that um, pressure off the dog, put it back on the handler to, to make the handlers kind of be more responsible to to, to look at the whole situation, and uh, and maybe approach it from a different way as opposed to because a lot of these dogs, especially these duchies, they're genetically ready for that fight and they dig it. Yeah. The, so the more there's not a, there's not any amount of pain that you could put into that dog that is going to some of them that is going to make them release that bite if you if you haven't done any of the pre-training with them exactly and what i what i find is so uh, when i get these classes so if my my seminar normal the e-collar without conflict is three days and we do all the e-collar layering on day one so for me what i like to do is i like to do stim first then the command and the command turns the stim off. And I do that all, all day. And then I teach the tone avoidance the same day, which is letting him loose in the building and tone. Yeah. And basically I'm putting an underground fence around all the stuff in there yeah. with a lower stim, not like underground fence is yeah. a bolt of lightning. So um, the next day I do command and then stim after the command so that it's uh, makes the dog come faster and faster. They're like, Oh crap. 
I should have went faster. Maybe I would have avoided it and keep going and going faster and faster and faster. Then we teach the out of the toy at the end of the second day and then out of the bite on the third day. So by the time we get to the third day, the dogs are on consequence. So like here, and if they don't, there's a, there's a tap on the stem, uh, their fault, not my fault, yeah. you know, that type of thing. And then we do the out on the bite. But what I'm finding just so you exactly what you're saying is a lot of the guys are coming to me and their dogs can eat a seven high on a 550 or a 127 on a dog truck. Yeah. All they have done is condition the dog yeah. to hold on, exactly. just hold on. And the, it'll stop because what happens? The handler always stops. He always stops because yep. it's not yep. working. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or the thing times out. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, so what I'm finding with the use of the vibrate uh, avoidance or the tone avoidance is it is able to override that, that feeling of just hold on and, at a lower stem level. So yeah. I'm finding I get there, the dog comes to me, he's eating a seven high and before we're done, he's verbally outing. And if he doesn't, the correction is at a, a three low, yeah. Yeah. you know, or, 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 or 20 on, on a dog truck. My goal obviously is for the, the, the command to cause the out. Yeah. The, the rest of it is a, uh, the tone is a warning. And then the stem is the correction that your behavior caused this. And I'm finding I'm able to, like, I, I just did this class in my facility last week. And um, there was a dog in there who, who is never outed. He, he's a, he's a really nice dog. But he just doesn't out yeah. toy. He doesn't out nothing. And we got beautiful, clear headed verbal outs out of him. And then he came back on Tuesday with a couple other guys to kind of um, proof it, like reproof yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's been a few days, dude. Yeah out verbal 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 and he was there was another guy that was like i i, I gotta tell you i wouldn't have believed it if i didn't see it and yeah. i'm like it's and it's because you guys taught him hold on just exactly. eat it just exactly. hold on yeah. yeah it's like when i'm doing pet dogs if you're letting them loose and they're not allowed on the furniture and you're using tone and stem or whatever and they jump up on the couch they, if you keep going up on stem, they're just going to bury yeah, into that couch and wait yeah. and wait and wait. And then when you come off it, they're like, huh, ah, figured that out. Yep. yep. That worked. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I, it works really well and it, it just makes the guy's life a lot easier. Some of the dogs come, I don't, I'm not fixing them. Yeah. I do give them a blueprint yeah. and a map. Um, Some I've only ever had so far of the 10, 10 of these I've done. I have one dog who's defeated me one and it is his possession is so high. I, I honestly would have never selected him because yeah. nice dog really yeah. like his possession is he's not going to bite the handler. He's just never letting go of anything yeah. ever. It's it just, you got to wear him out, wait him out. Yeah. I recently, I've, I worked with a dog like that, you know, and like you say, I think I've had a handful, you know, I've done probably more than 12, 1300 dogs with e-collar classes and mm -hmm. I've only had a handful that, kind of defeat the system I've come up with and it, I'm not looking for a cop out, but I think when you, if on some of these dogs, this one in particular, lots of very good trainers have looked at this particular dog and um, I'm like 99% sure this dog has a genetic component. I think he seizes when he bites and he literally, you know, it sounds like a cop out cause I can't fix him, but everything else he does is great. And then when he bites, there's no frantic behavior or anything. He just bites and then mm -hmm. it's like everything is gone. The world is black, and he just bites. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy thing to see. And I've talked to a few 
people who said that they have have come across that a little bit where yeah once in a while yep once in a while there was a dog i did i had in one of my classes out of canada nice real nice handler trainers was relatively new but um as far as being the the trainer and so they came and we 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 did a lot of the conflict removal just changing some things up but his possession was so high that no matter what it was um a we were in a we were in a batting cage area doing some stuff uh he grabbed the rosin bag had to Dan there, put him to sleep to get the rosin bag he found a, a monster energy can ripped it in half and swallowed half of it oh geez he grabbed this everything everything yeah. he had eaten a bag of, of meth or of heroin and and fentanyl like a month <laughs> prior to that and almost died from it he just yeah he he wouldn't he wouldn't let go yeah. and then so i got him they were using a dog show so it was a vibrate avoidance I got him um, out, outing outing the uh, toy and then a wedge. And then the next day we did bite work. And I, and I use, if you sit through my class, he's the last video I show. I got him up on a bite table and I'm showing what I did and how I did it. And, and I actually changed a little bit of my system because of this dog, sure. based on the way this dog was working. And um, and I told the handler, so I got verbal, a bunch of verbal outs, but I told him, hey, buddy, I did not genetically fix this dog yeah, this yeah. dog is that's a thing like you said yeah. uh he just gets it it's it, and he would not it's yeah. like they're using a dominant dog collar on every do every little thing yeah. if it was out cush couch cushion yeah. he grabbed a, a a piece of netting and and we had to almost put him out to get it yeah and it was um it was it was crazy so but i did it's possible i i mean it, it, it's but it's never gonna be yeah and it's, that and it's changing up some of that. Like uh, one of the things I do, um, especially on the for dogs that are having release problems, but I see so much, uh, you see that conflict on these dogs that, you know, they walk up to the dog or they're walking towards the dog. They're saying the dog's name. The dog's getting more amped up. They say los. <laughs> the dog's really getting amped up. They, they say los louder and harsher. The dog, you know. So yeah. in my class, uh, my eclair classes, I just tell them to heal, and we spend a few day, a few uh, sessions, a few rounds, mm-hmm. on the first day, teaching the dogs to heal with a high level of stem around them, trust in the dog, and shaping their behavior using the communication, you know, with the the stem on the, the the collar, and just teaching them that healing is the proper behavior. And then when they go to bite, some of these dogs are ready for a fight, but then the next word out of the handler's mouth is not his name or lows or anything. It's just heal. And a lot of the dogs will then respond because it's not that, like I said earlier, you know, you got the name that you go home and you're in a fight with the wife about. So it's just a new, a new pattern for the dog to understand. It takes some of that conflict away from. So I think it's the same, same concept. It's just a different ways of going about it. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that work pretty well. And to be honest with you, I have like three or four things I'll try. And that I've done that before where, where it, the heel is the out all the way back to me in the position. Yeah. Um, in my class, uh, my three-day class, I do teach teaching a good proper heel using the e-collar where I create this bo- invisible box next to me. And if they, if they get out of the box, I tap them with stem. Yeah. Yeah. They get forward, I tap, and I, but we don't talk to them. Their yeah. fault. They yep. realize, oh, shit, if I just stay yeah. here, it feels nice and good, yep. you know? And then um, – because I did this, I did, and you've probably done this. I did the thing when I took over as the trainer, we were a lot of yank and crank and it took forever to teach 
like heal weeks and weeks and oh, weeks yeah. and now i teach it in in hours yeah, you know yeah. and but to get guys through certification i would teach the focus heel you know put a ball up mm-hmm. on the shoulder and so then at test day the guys can just throw a fist up there yeah. that's cool but that does not help it's, when yeah. you're trying to walk to yeah. a problem or yeah from then, a when, problem. then when that dog gets stem stimulation from the outside in the real world scenario a lot of times that kind of breaks yeah. down then because you're not on a field a quiet field where no one's talking or anything so right so i'm like why don't we just teach them a heel like teach yeah. them a good heel and so i do that and yeah i've had dogs um i've had dogs where where i'm like listen we got to add a down to this dog as soon as he outs um that's what works for this dog other dogs they'll just out and wait for the rebite or the you know we have to build math problems into some of them sure some of them you don't and so you kind of got to do as you know on the fly yeah but my whole goal for the class is just kind of wake guys up a little bit and and i always i say in my class that you have got to be the subject matter expert of your dog the the dumb end of the leash thing has got to go by the wayside yeah um because the dog does not get sued the dog does not testify in court the dog doesn't have to answer problems from the from the brass and then anything dog related you're the guy yeah so you've got to at a minimum be the subject matter expert of your dog and what i like to do is in my class you know i and listen i understand that a lot of people come to my class because of the podcast and they want to see the dancing monkey i get it that's cool whatever brings you there is fine and if your dog doesn't have these conflict problems awesome but pay attention to what i'm saying because you could help someone exactly and you could see yeah. the handler and go, Hey, your dog does not like you. Yeah. Like, and I tell you, the, sitting next yeah. to you, he's leaning away. And I tell you one thing that I point out in, in the classes, the collar classes that I do, and I haven't had an exception yet. And if you probably see it, or maybe you do the same thing, but I'll have the handler start healing up two decoys on the field. And I'll say, Just heal around, give me, you know, a loose leash. I don't want you to correct him. Just go to the end of the leash just so he can't break from you. And then when that handler, takes the leash off i tell him just keep walking and unhook that leash and keep walking and every one of those dogs will settle down and get a more relaxed posture when they start healing off leash every it doesn't matter how good of a handler you are we we all put some of that conflict down the leash and it's just kind of amazing to see you know in the same with i'll see a lot of dogs they'll drag the handler onto the field and they're complete jackasses the dogs (laughs) are barking and going crazy and i'll tell them unhook him and they're like, oh, I can't. I'm like, just unhook him. And then as soon as they do that, the dog then goes into a proper heel because it's like, yeah. now it's on me. You're not going to pull me back and let, you know hold me back. So it it is a, 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 it's kind of a universal thing. So like you say, even if you don't think your dog has conflict, I bet if you get videotaped, you're going to see there is some minor conflict with everybody. Mm-hmm. No matter how it's you funny you say that because in my classes, when the handlers I'm teaching the heel, I go, now, listen, as you're walking, reach down and unhook the leash. Do not make a big deal about exactly. it. Do not, do not get him spun up. Cause you know, we always sit, okay, time to go off leash. They off, they unhook, they put around and they go foos and the dog launches like yeah. 10 feet. Cause he's, he's spun up. I'm like, just walk and unhook him. Yeah. And then, and the guys, it, it, it settles them in and feels real good. And, and like I said, I talk, I talk some off, off-duty stuff you know like um i'm describing dogs that are spinning all the time and can't settle and they 
they run in circles in their kennel or, or in the house, they run in circles, they can't settle. And I, I give them some really good ideas and things that they need to do at home that are causing this dog to really go crazy. The Malinois or any dog that's running and spinning in their kennel are actually going insane. And they need to shrink their world down. Most guys, their kennels are too big. Yep. Um, they can shrink them down to a five by five and be plenty. They don't need to buy a ten by twelve kennel, yep. um, or or teach them long, long downstays. Lay yep. down, watch an entire football game. The dog's not allowed to move. You'll start to see benefits where it helps. And then understanding the whole concept of being a leader and not a litter mate. Yeah. So that the dog knows that without you he dies he yeah. doesn't get food water pack fulfillment and he doesn't get you to take him to be the driver to take him to do the fun stuff and um because a lot of guys are doing stuff and my my goal in life really is to get people to keep their center divider closed and stop touching that dog all oh, shift. shift yes <laughs> stop it you are causing not everyone but many of you are causing a ton of anxiety by petting your dog, unearned affection causes an addiction from the dog. And when he doesn't get it, it makes him anxious. And then he looks at you as a litter mate. And if he looks at you as a litter mate, he will never trust you to be the leader. And he'll do dumb stuff. Yeah. Like dragging you onto the field and and barking at everybody as he's going in to do dope work. Yeah. You know, yeah. we all know the guy who you got to suck against the wall when he's coming through yeah. with his dog. That's, yeah. le that's leash reactivity. It's no different than a pet dog. Yeah. 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 It's funny The you know, the, these, these problems are, are oftentimes, uh, they're so similar, you know, whether, whether you, anywhere you go in the country and whether it's a bomb dog, dope dog or patrol dog. Um, mm -hmm. so I, yeah. I, it's always fun. Cause the, I mean, the way you and I do e-collars is fairly different. Um, but the results are both really good and the yeah. science behind it is very, very similar too. I think the, the one question I have on the way you do it, I'm real big on pairing the stimulation and the command every single time to shape the dog's behavior. Do you have any problems with dogs getting collar dependent by using, you know, the command, then the tone, then the stimulation? Meaning, um, meaning if you take the collar off them, does if the, dog... the collar's off, they'd be gone. Um, so what, where I find that the, the, the tone avoidance stuff with a collar really works really well is it creates manners in the dog where the dog is obedient if you're not in the room because they believe that well shit that counter yeah. got me last yeah. time that that trash can got me the time before that that was my fault I, I shouldn't have jumped on these people and 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 did all this other stuff where you gotta where i really try to proof it is that one at some point so i have the dogs off leash pretty quickly just a just a, a kind of a free-flowing recall like maybe I'm out, I take them out hiking in, in the trails and then yeah. working on the recall. And then at some point I have to try it without the collar yeah. on. Yeah. And um, they're usually pretty good because like here they turn so fast that they don't actually realize why. I mean, yeah. they turn so quick, but there have been a couple dogs. I'm like, you're really good. But I think if I took this collar <laughs> off, you might be Gandhi. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And so those I'm like, yeah, that I don't really care. I just, and the the one the main difference in in my system is I try not to pair the command and the correct and the stem. I try to do it either stem before the the command or stem after the command, so that it's that I take it away from my voice and just put it more on. Uh, I said here yeah. you didn't stem yeah. your fault, yeah. not my fault. Um, 
but what happens is as you're training the dogs and, and we have to do this in my class where I have to have people watch each other is when you're doing a lot of reps, they'll start doing it at the same time. They'll pair at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, and some dogs, it doesn't matter. Some, it doesn't matter. They, they're cool with it. But if you, if you go sit and the dog flinches, then we know we probably have a, a little bit of a conflict, a little bit of a problem where your everything you say makes the dog flinch. Yeah. That's why you I just gotta just gotta watch. Yeah, I like to keep the stem very low, mm -hmm. but I like to pair the stem and the command over and over and over and over and over and over. And then when I say heel or down, that dog doesn't have time to to shake his head and feel. Yeah, it, you know, I've just shaped him that when he hears it, I do it because so. Right. I think keeping it so low keeps that uh, conflict. It's just you know when I when. When I hear heel, I open up my mouth if I'm biting the guy or whatever mm -hmm. I'm doing. I come back to dad immediately without yeah. having to think about it. So I, we we have pretty good luck being able then. To, and it's not mm -hmm. a matter of working the dogs without the collar. It's we all know that the collars fail at times or they don't connect properly if the dog's out doing something. Mm -hmm. So, I just or you don't, don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I tell you where I do that exact thing you're talking about with is the no. Is either ah or no. Um, I will pair those exactly together so that it no has value. Sure. And I would be saying no because the remote's not in my hand or you're not wearing a collar. Sure. And so no without consequence means nothing. It's just like with children, just yeah. no different. So you over know, a period so, of time with the collar, you're going to shape that no into being uh, more of a correction than just a verbal. Cor correct. Yeah. 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 And I have, I've had some dogs that I have, done the command stem at the same time because they're they're strong dogs and yeah. you really you really can't create conflict you can create instantaneous uh obedience you yeah. know to, to it and then when you take the collar off that's a dog that you know here they turn just like yeah. you were talking about so yeah i uh, my thing is when people come to my con my conference or my seminars they have a lot of problems yeah so the way i, the, I do it to try to try to repair the relationship between the handler and the dog. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's like I said, I think uh, we have a few, few things we do different, but I think overall mm -hmm. the, the, they're both, you know, it's both. Uh, I think just like you, people go to, you know, an Eric Stambro e-collar e class. I think a lot of people think they're going to go there and just learn how to push the button and pushing right. the button is 5% of the class and psychology yeah. and, and dog behavior and proper corrections and timing and everything else is the rest of the class. Yeah. I'm sure your, your class is probably just like mine. I tell them, listen, put your mouth on the fire hose. I'm about to turn it on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take notes, record me if you want. If that's how you learn, there's a lot, a lot of science. It isn't pushing the button. The one, and the one similar thing I think between me and you and anybody who's really good at e-collar training is we're almost always on lower stem. Always. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I tell guys there's and I make them feel it. I'm like there's a difference between higher and high. Higher might be from a 3 low to a 3 high. Yeah. High is a 6 high, 7 low, whatever. In my opinion, the only time I'm getting up in the high is if I'm saving that dog's life from mm. traffic. Yeah. Where he's got to stop right now. Yeah. If I'm, you know, and I don't care if he screams, he's yep. got to come back. Yeah. If I'm training at that level, then I have to look at my training. I've screwed something up and I got to back up, mm -hmm. take some of the, the outside stimulation away from the dog so I can communicate with him, get him back to where I can 
you know, and my, my whole training is all based on communicating with the collar and then exposing the dog to massive amounts of stimulation. So I'll have three and four decoys on the field, uh, have five, six dogs all in muzzles so we don't have any dog problems, mm-hmm. and have the dogs muzzle fighting, have one dog muzzle fighting one decoy, and then you got to heel right by him and do, do crazy stuff like that so that when they feel just when they have lower amounts of stimulation around them like a simple bite on a a, an exercise or a real street bite Mm -hmm. or whatever then that's easy for the dog to to hear you and come back and do it but all of that has to be worked up to at low levels like you say so the high levels are are kind of a reserve and if uh that if i find myself having to work a dog at a high level then i take some of that stimulation away from him communicate with them, clear his head a little bit, build that trust. Cause that seems to be a lot of the ways that, uh, handlers lose the trust with their dogs is too high of a correction with mm-hmm. combined with poor timing. And then every time the dog feels that stimulation, there's no more communication after that. And I'm sure you probably see the same thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what you're talking about, the way you're doing it is probably over time, I would assume really makes the handler smooth and responsive with the buttons and with the collar. Mm -hmm. I tell guys, you, you, if you're going to do e-collar, you gotta, it's gotta be part of your hand. Like you gotta be comfortable where you don't look at the numbers. You don't need to, you can tell, you know. So like if we got a dog tray that has a thing, I'm like, listen, let's work on this. And then if you have to go up a little bit or whatever, that's cool. But when we're done, look at the number and go, Whoa, crap, you really like rabbits. I guess. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, you know, that type of thing. And, and I tell the guys you, you need, cause what happens is every time we do the reps in my, my seminar, okay, go ahead and put your dog up. And when he go, they, they take the collar and they, the remote and they stick it in their hoodie pocket, pants pocket or on their, on their Molly. And I'm like, no, 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 no. In your hand, on the way out, correct him for trying to grab the couch cushion or yeah. or sniff the dude yeah. or grab someone's shoe. Use use yeah. the e collar. You can like, communicate. Yeah, yeah, but they don't. They think in piece in like short parts. Like, yeah. okay, we're exercise over and we put it away. No, 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 no. I want you yeah. to be so smooth with it that it's that it's finesse. It's yeah. just like teaching yeah. leash handling, you know. Well, and one of the things I do a lot of it, it in and my system is that it's always a third party work on the collar. So that mm-hmm. actually puts a lot of pressure on handlers that it, a lot of times it's a training group and maybe some of the handlers know each other, some don't. But if you haven't worked an e-collar very much and then some guy brings his dog out and you don't even know him and now you're working the collar for his dog, it really makes the handlers pay attention to what I've told them and what I've showed them. And they have to, and I have a sound box that pairs with it so I can hear what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But it really puts a lot of kind of uh, onus on the handlers to, to build that finesse right away because you know me screwing up my own dog some guys don't worry about that much but if i screw up your dog i'm going to be real worried about it so i think it's uh like you say it's people people sometimes don't put enough time in learning how to properly use that e-collar you know with their dogs they just uh, think it's it's you know i work my dog on a 40 well maybe today you work on a 40 but with proper training tomorrow you're going to work them on a four and right if he's having, yeah if the collar's not sitting correctly, you might have to work them on a six that day, but that's all in proper uh, stimulation of the dog. Yeah. When in my class, when we do the, uh, the outing of the toy, I have, I, I always run the collar. And then when we do the outing of the bite work, I have someone work the collar for the handler. Yeah. And so everybody has to, to work a collar, but I'll ask, 
they'll hand me the collar for the out of the toy and I'll go, all right, what's your guess? And they're like, uh, I'm going to guess 53 is what's going to work. I'm like, 53? <laughs> okay. And we out on 19. Yeah, yeah. You know, then we're down in the single digits. Then we're on nothing Yeah. because it's verbal. And I'm like, yeah. you guys, uh, you're not giving the dog enough credit at this point, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I, I think we've been able to change some guys' lives and make them, you know, like I've had guys tell me, go, I have so much anxiety with this dog because I don't trust that he'll ever come back, Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and he bites me all the time, you know? So, yeah. and that's a big part of my thing is, is I teach uh, capping a little bit after bite work, make the, make the decoy, leave the room, let that, let yeah. that dog be the winner and let him bask in his glory for two minutes. Cause all of us as trainers have the habit of, okay, run him to the car next. Yeah. Yeah. Go next. And it's like, what's an extra two minutes to cap him, let him calm down and then walk him out nice and slow. Yeah. As, um, as that has nothing to do with e-collar. That's no. just yeah. about, and I, yeah. And I talk about that in my class about kind of take an extra couple minutes. And I learned that from another guy last year, dude, I've been doing this a long time. I learned it last year. I'm like, Oh, I feel like a moron. <laughs> I should have been doing this all along. Well, I, I tell you, I, I teach a lot. I do a couple classes a month and I, there's probably very few times I go and, do a class that I don't uh, sit down and think, well, I'm going to tweak something just a teeny bit. Cause mm -hmm. I think, like you said, that that's the mark of a good trainer is, you know, learning from, uh, I learned stuff from handlers. I learned stuff from dogs and, and whatever, you know, and keep trying to yeah. advance, advance it. Cause that's the, you know, taking the experience and putting it out there. So. Yeah. And I also tell guys, listen, when I leave here, I'm not living with your dog and I'm not on the street with your dog. So like, I'm not a real big, I don't, I don't like, outing to a toy i don't like the whole competing yeah. motivator thing because when one time he's gonna out and you don't have the toy your arm is exactly. a toy or your exactly. partner's arm yep. and then and then there's a lot of guys will put a as they're walking out from bite work or whatever they they toss a, a tug in the dog's mouth because the dog bites them yeah. otherwise yeah. and they have the tug in their mouth and i try to work i go do me a favor give me a chance let's work it without the tug i go however also i'm not the one getting bit and i don't have to yeah. live with this dog yeah. and i'm not working with this dog and if that works keep doing it yeah yeah i i agree yeah. i'm not i'm not super big on that i think that's not uh the whole like even teaching the the out with two toys i'm not huge on that because it's just teaching the dog to yank one of the toys out of your hand as opposed yeah. to there's not a lot of obedience to it or i kind of like the the mindset that the toy's mine and i'll give it to you and when i want it back you gotta give it back to me and yeah yeah and they a lot of those dogs then you have to get in their eye line for the owl because i had a dog that that i i screwed up years ago that i that i trained and way 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 too high pride prey drive for the way i did things and the only way he would out was if the handler got into his corner of his eye with a three-foot tug yeah and and uh it worked every time he would out but the problem is once you start getting into his eye line he would just reflexively out and launch at the handler yeah because he did not have the toy <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. expecting it yeah he which is have a, it ready which is a real problem on the street you know? mm -hmm. So I brought that dog back after I've been proofing my tone avoidance and tone out stuff. I brought him back uh, a few months ago, and um, in one day I taught him the tone avoidance. Then we then we did the tone. Uh, we we did the out of the toy, and then out of the bite. And I ended up getting he's never ever verbally outed ever. I got a, several verbal outs from him. Nice. Really talked to the guy. He kept up with it. Kept up with it. Kept up with it. And then he just last, last month recertified and this dog's like seven years old now dude i screwed this up like six years ago and he uh he verbally outed 
with no toy. Nice. He actually did it a few times just to show off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and recalled back to a real recall, not, not to a toy. And, and dude, I almost started crying on the phone when he called me because I did that. Yeah. I know I did that. Yeah. I caused that. I caused the problems. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, years ago, I just choke off, choke off, yeah. choke off, choke off. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'll just put an e-collar on him and get him off. Yeah. And, well, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> not well. You yeah. know, that was like, well, that was longer. That was like, shit, eight years ago. It was like 2015 when I trained that dog. Yeah. So no, I was pretty happy for that kid that that worked. I think for people who are listening, you know, a lot of people who are listening have some type of issue. I don't care if your dog's, you know, 18 months and you've had them for three months or if your dog's eight years old and you've had them for five, six years. Most of these issues are really pretty easy to clear the dog's head. So, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with it, just because you've had them for a while or whatever, or you've tried some other things, you know, reach out to either Eric or I or lots of people on the internet. There's lots of lots of help out there because I, I guess I want to just kind of wrap this up with, you know, we mentioned a little bit street stuff, but I, I, you and I have never had a conversation about this, but I think you're, I, I assume you're going to be on the same page that, you know, these, these videos of these guys not being able to get their dogs off of a bite are going to kill us. You know, so we yeah, need yeah. we need to have better better release and better control because we got to do something, or we're going to lose this uh, tool altogether. Yeah, and I I tell the guys, listen, um, because I I would rather see you just go up and use a brake stick and get him off than yelling los fifty times. Just just go get him off because the court standard so far is when it's time to be done, it has to be done. Whether yeah. it's whether you do the verbal out, I'm not on the street sometimes because the agency I worked at, we would always have, you know, three, four guys on that pursuit when you get there and they pig piling on the dude and, you know, and I verbally out and he bites the backup guy or whatever. I would rather just grab him and break stick off. If you do like, I know LA and a bunch of other places, not a bunch, several other places yeah. are verbal out on every bite. Cool. They just have to do it. Yeah, and so, yeah. and if you don't have the, the release work dialed in, just break stick him and get him off of there. Yeah. I'm Don't the, keep I'm, yeah. talking to him. Yeah. I, I'm on the, the idea that we got to do something, you know, the break stick works better than the, the hard outs that guys sometimes mm -hmm. struggle with. Uh, I much, much prefer a verbal out from a distance, you know, and if, if, yeah. if, if, if it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's not practical, but overall I, I had lots like that, but either way, I think all of this, you know, that we're talking about comes back to, you know, it's going to make your body cameras show the, you know, the true professional that you are without having a, a problem getting the dog off of a guy because those videos are going to kill us. Yeah. And if you ask the handler before he looks at the video, how many times did you give the out command? They'll say like three yeah. and you'll get it and be 14. Yeah. Yeah. 14 and, and take, take 90 yeah. seconds or something. And yeah. And then you'll hear him say to the backup, I can't get him off. Yeah. <laughs> guys not stuff good. a rag in it yeah you know what not, mean? Be good. Quiet. not good well eric i appreciate you taking the time today i know you got a lot no going problem. on so i'm looking forward to uh sitting down and probably having a beer with you in scottsdale yeah. and bouncing some more ideas like i said i think we do things similar but different which is always good i always like talking uh -huh. to people who are out there training a lot of dogs and definitely i'd like yeah, to uh, come to one of your classes so i can steal some of your stuff and say i thought of yeah. it and the way any, I, the way any good dog trainer does right so yeah exactly all of us there's no um, none of the the guys who are really truly good in the industry and like really care are not gatekeepers 
No. We, we share, we Absolutely. steal, we give. Yeah, Absolutely. you have to. I t- at the end of my classes, I tell everybody, if you listen to what I say, what I'm doing, and if you like it, and if you're really good at it, like you work on or good at it, go forth, do your own seminars, yeah. teach it. Yeah. I don't care. Absolutely. I feel the same way. Go out and teach this this method and get everybody so they can do it. I, it makes the mm-hmm. whole industry yeah. better. So Absolutely. absolutely. Well, thanks, Eric. I will uh, no problem, talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. We'll Bye. see you. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Hits K9 Radio. I hope you guys like this hearing about uh, maybe some of the similarities and some of the differences that Eric and I have in teaching our e-collar classes. That's the important thing is, you know, go and check out different trainers, figure out what works for you, what type of style you like, and then uh, you know, keep, keep expanding your horizons and, and finding all different trainers in any of the disciplines that you are working on. And there's lots of different uh, trainers out there, lots of different ideas. Just get with a qualified trainer, figure out uh, you know what you're trying to accomplish. And most of these trainers, if they don't do it your way, they can at least point you to somebody who does do it. So it's uh, never the way, it's always just a way when it comes to dog training. And having more tools in your uh, toolbox is always a better idea, I think. So I always like bringing other people on that, that do things kind of a little bit different. I don't want to just keep repeating myself on different things. So Eric will be at HITS in Scottsdale this year. So if you want to talk to Eric in person or see his class, come to Scottsdale. It'll be in August. Uh, HITSK9.net for the information on that. And Eric will be there uh, doing a few different classes, have a lot of different information, have a booth there. So like uh, most of the vendors, you'll have plenty of time to do some networking with them. And a lot of the instructors will be, some of the instructors have their own booth and a lot of them will just be in the vendor area or at the social areas. So you have an opportunity to meet all the vendors and all the instructors and do a lot of one-on-one time with lots of different people from the industry. So check out hitsk9.net for all the information on that. As always, if you want to email me about anything, just shoot me an email. It's jeff at hitsk9.net. And I just want to mention too that this year for our non-law enforcement trainers that listen to this podcast, we're going to do uh, our first ever smart dog training conference right before hits. So if you want to check out the information on that, go to mysmartdog.net for that information. Again, that's for the non-law enforcement trainers that uh, are interested in some of the stuff we do. We're setting up a special seminar just for you. So I appreciate everybody. Thank you.